All right. Hey, so last, the first time we showed that clip right there, I know several parents are like me, that your kids had you watch that movie. Uh, and then I, it's just stuck in your head now, right? So you'll be doing it all week long. Everything is awesome. Last, uh, I think it was last summer, yeah, we were sitting on uh, vacation. We were trying to say, okay, we, we need to watch a movie together. And what would it be? And so we went out and looked, and we found this movie called The Lego Movie. And we'd not seen it yet. And so we looked at the reviews, and it was one of the top-rated movies that was out at the time, uh, especially on DVD. And then at the end of 2014, actually, it was one of the top movies of all of 2014. The Lego Movie, believe it or not. And uh, it's cool. I just love the theme. And so, you know, we were singing it as a family, and it kind of goes, everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of the dream. Everything is awesome when you're part of the team. And then everything is awesome when you have a dream. And then the next line says, everything is awesome when you stick together. You stick together. And that's what we're talking about in this series. It's how we can engage, how we can stick together as a family. Last week, Mark did a great job of talking about 1 Corinthians 12. And he talked to each of us about how we can connect and community together. And today, I'm going to talk about a little different subject on this whole idea of engaging and connecting, and that is how we can engage in serving together. As a body, what does God call us to do? If you're part of our church, this would be for you today. If you're not, just glad that you're here with us today. Uh, And so this would be what God would be calling us to, each of us individually, because we're all a piece, each individual piece apart, and we come together, and we put ourselves together, and then we are formed into a body that God wants to use, and he wants to use us to change us, and then also to impact the world as well. So I want to invite you, if you would, to grab your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible with you, just grab your message notes out of your program. They look like this. You're going to find all the Bible verses you want there today and that I'm going to use. And then you're also going to be able to fill in some blanks as we go along here. And just want to invite you that if you don't own a Bible, that our church would like to give you one. Uh, we'd love to see you have a Bible in your home. And so when you leave today, you just stop by one of the shelves on each side of the uh, lobby and the doors when you go out. And just grab a Bible, take it, and it's our gift to you And you can have it because we want you to be able to read the Bible as well in your home. So when Mark talked last week, he made a a big point that when we say yes to Jesus Christ and then we accept his offer of salvation and life with him, that we become part of a new body. And he talked about the fact that just as uh, my human body needs all the parts to function in order for my human body to be healthy, a church body needs all the parts to function in order for a church to be healthy. So I'm just going to pick right up where he left off last week, only we're going to be looking in a different part of Paul's writings. And as you remember the series, we're looking at a different writing of the Apostle Paul each week as he's giving directions to the church on how they can relate to one another, on how they do ministry with one another, uh, on church discipline at different times. But And today we're going to look at this whole idea of connecting to serve together. So in the first three chapters of Ephesians, Paul has described the relationship that a person can have when they have said yes to Jesus Christ. And if you read those first three chapters, he just gets all fired up, you know? And if you knew this in the original Greek language in which it was written, there's not even any punctuation. It's just one run-on sentence after another. And he's gotten so excited about what he's been thinking about that each one of us 
is part of God's calling. And so he talks about the fact that we've been called in salvation, we've been accepted by God, we've been adopted by God, we've been chosen by God, we've been now made an inheritance of God's riches. And he's just so excited about what he's experienced in Christ and what you and I can experience in Christ, right? That then he goes on and he says, now therefore, and he starts talking in chapter 4 and gives us some directions. And so what I want to do is I want to start right there in chapter 4, verse 1, and he says this. He says, therefore I, and I put this for you in case you weren't aware, uh, just if you're looking at message notes, Paul, that's who it's writing here. He says, I'm a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you. Would you circle that word beg? Beg you. What he's saying there is, I want to urge you, I plead with you as strong as I can possibly ask this today. I'm calling you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Then he says, for you have been called by God. So he's saying, based upon what God has done for you in Jesus Christ, this is how you would respond to this good news. And then in these next 15 verses that we're going to look at today... He gives some ideas about how you'd respond to this good news. So if you not maybe come to a place where you've said yes to Jesus Christ today, I just want you to know this is an awesome week to be here uh, because what you're going to hear today are the benefits and the life that God's called for those who say yes to him. So it's a great time to be here. We're going to look at what God wants for those who have received his gift of freedom. And that's what this message is all about today. It's all about freedom. How I can be free to serve and to give myself away because I'm so in love with what Jesus Christ has done for me. So in these verses, Paul's basically saying, pour yourself out. Give everything you have to live the life that represents the life that you've been given through the gift of Jesus Christ when he died on the cross for you. Basically, Live responsibly. You have a responsibility because of what has been given to you to live out that responsibility in your life and in your world. So let's just jump right in. Let's look at the three things he talks about in these verses that are calling. And the first is this. We are called to walk in unity. To walk in unity. Now in these next verses, Paul describes both the attitude of unity and the source of unity. He says, always be humble. So this, this is how we're going to treat one another, okay? Always be humble and be gentle. Be patient with each other. And we talked with our staff this week in our brown bag lunch, and we had a training time, and we were talking about the fact that people need to be allowed to be in process before they say yes to Jesus Christ. And for some people, it may take years. And that we walk with someone in the time from when we first come into relationship with until there's a day when they may say yes to Jesus Christ themselves. And the reason that we are so patient with others is because every one of us knows that God was patient with us first. He was patient with us first. So we treat each other with patience because that's how we want to be treated as well, right? We want to have the same kind of grace given to us. And then he says this, make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Then he said, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God, and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. 
includes everything, right? Everything about God. So here's what he's wanting you to reflect on. Okay, so you're going to relate to each other in this way with humility, with patience, with giving each other the benefit of the doubt, of understanding that you don't know everything about someone, so you're not going to judge them on where they are and what's going on, and that you're going to work to have the attitude of peace. And that's one of the things I love about our church. We're 23, going to be 23 years old in March, and when I teach our one-on-one class, it's my privilege to say every time that we've never had a season in this church in 23 years where we've had disunity. Not one season. And it's just awesome to be part of a church where there is peace. And part of the reason that we have peace is because we believe what Paul went on to say there. And he says this. He says, the basis of our unity is that we're one body, that we are members of the same family. We all have, once you say yes to Jesus Christ, we all have the same spirit living within us. He's there living in us to supply the desire and the power to walk in unity. We have the same hope together. We look forward to the same expectation of heaven as our hope. We have the same Lord, and to the extent that we follow him, we're going to be walking together. On occasions when some of us veer from the course and we're not following him, then we're going to be having some tension there during that season. We have the same faith. We just sang that song, We Believe, and all the declarations of faith in that song. And so because of that, because we've declared right up front that the Bible is our source of authority, we submit to it together. So when we're talking about the things of faith, talking about relating to one another and to the world, we say the Bible is our source of authority, and we will always submit together to what the Bible says. We have the same baptism, and I love seeing baptism here today. We've experienced, many of us experienced, being entered into the family of God, and then we were baptized as an outward expression of our faith in Jesus Christ. All of us united to Christ through grace. And then he says, we have the same God, and he goes on about above all, in all, over all. And we have the same object of our devotion and allegiance. And because of that, that unifies us. That's the thing that unifies us. Our calling is based upon who God is, what he's done in us, and then the mission and purpose that he's called us to fulfill. So the, the obvious word from Paul here is that you and I would make every effort that we would work for unity, that we would strive for it. And anytime we sniff this unity, that we would stand up and say no, and that we would confront it and we would talk it through in love together because our unity is the greatest testimony of the love of God for our world to see. John says this in John 13, Jesus said this and recorded in John 13, 34. He says that your love will show the world that you are my disciples. And folks, one of the greatest things that we can do, that we can hold Titus, is our love for one another because it's that love, not our music, you know, not what we do in, with down in the other parts of our building today, not in my teaching right now, but it's in our love that people see Jesus Christ best. And when you're aware of what God has done for you, then you're going to treat others differently. And that's what Paul got us to. So first thing he says, walk in unity. Second, he says, engage in ministry. Engage in ministry. He goes on in verse 7, and then I'm going to skip down and do 11 and 12. 
He says this, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. These are the gifts of Christ, the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So what he's saying here, and this is the key, each one of us, if you were a follower of Jesus Christ, if there's been that moment when you said yes to Jesus Christ, each one of us has has been given the ability and the responsibility to build up the church. Every one of us has that responsibility. You may be thinking, well, Ron, isn't that what we pay you to do? (laughs) That's one of the problems. I'm in this list here as one of the ones who have gifts, but I'm not the one who does ministry. You know, it's not my title. I'm not a minister. None of our pastors are called ministers because we are all ministers. And we're all called, and we've all been given the ability and the responsibility. So in those verses that we just read, when it says that you've been given a special gift, this is the New Living Translation, and the New Living Translation translates the word charismata, which is a Greek word, translates that as special gift. But actually what it means, it means a grace gift. It means a gift of grace. So every one of us who has said yes to Jesus Christ, everyone listening to my voice who has said yes to Jesus Christ, at the moment you said yes to Jesus Christ, you were given a grace gift or you were given a special gift called a spiritual gift. And so Paul lists some of the gifts here. And if you know and uh, read the other list, I'm going to list where they are in just a moment, of spiritual gifts, that these are called the equipping gifts. And they are gifts given to certain people so that they can use them to equip and build up the body. Now, there are other lists. You can read a list in Romans 12. You can read a list in 1 Corinthians 12. You can read a list in 1 Peter 4. And so there's many lists. And I don't think that in all the lists that it covers every gifting because God is creative and he can gift any way he chooses in any season he wants to, but you can look at those gifts and you can realize that there are many different ways that the body functions together, and that's the point. They are, there are many gifts, all of which are given from God for one purpose. What is the purpose? The purpose is the building up of his body. That's the purpose, the building up of his body. And what is his body? The church. The church is his body. Now, put a definition on the back side of your notes. In the top there, spiritual gift, and this is a definition. A spiritual gift is a special ability God has given you to build others up. A special ability God has given you to build others up. You mean it's not so I can be built up? No. No, it's so that you can build others up. And so that's primarily then, by definition, spiritual gifts are given to build up the church. See, talents are what we get when we're born, but spiritual gifts are what we get when we're reborn or born again. He gives us these spiritual gifts. And therefore, as our spiritual gifts are employed, as they're used, as they're engaged, then the church is healthy. Now, it's also, the opposite is also true. If our gifts aren't employed, if our gifts aren't engaged, then our church is not healthy. See, our our church is only healthy when those who come and attend here contribute here. Get involved here. We are only healthy when those who come here commit here and participate here in the things that God has called this church to be about. See, the 
the health of our church is not determined by our intake or the quality of the input. Now, I can guarantee you that when you come to church here that we have one of our values is excellence. And so that when you come to church here, at every moment you, you know, walk on our campus or you're in a room or that you're connecting with other people, that it's going to be excellent and that it's going to be the best of our ability that day that we could do. So the quality is going to be as high as we can make it. And so the quality of the input is awesome. But that's not the goal is to get quality input. It's not. <laughs> I thought that's why we came to church. No, the goal is that there would be the quantity of output. Is that because we've been, we've received, is then now we take and give what we received and we give it away to other people. So sitting in a chair on a Sunday is not the end of the game. It's just a piece of it. And the piece is, and now I will engage with what I've been given. Now, I understand that there will be folks at certain seasons in their life as a follower of Jesus Christ. And because of a life circumstance, because of maybe you were part of a church where there was a lot of disunity. And so you've been scarred and you're not even sure that you love the church anymore. Uh, or because that you have... Uh, a, a season where you're overwhelmed in some way, there may be seasons where people can be on the injured reserve list, okay? But that when you're on the injured re reserve list, what's the goal? To get back in the what? Game. To get back in the game. So I'm now I'm going to be on the injured reserve list so I'm healthy again. I'm going to go through rehabilitation, and then I'm going to move back into the game. So there may be seasons for that, but overall the key is this. God didn't call us to just attend church. He didn't. He called us to engage in the church. And when we engage in it, then the church will have more meaning for us personally. And our church will be more effective as we do that. So today what I'm going to do is that we're going to give you a chance to engage today. And so somewhere in your program... You're going to find this flyer, and it says Engage, Serve at the top. I'm going to ask you to pull it out right now. Everybody, please pull it out now. And even if you weren't taking notes and you look beside you and grab a program, pull this out if you would. And I want you to write your name on it. If everybody go ahead and write your name in the lower right-hand corner. It says, Please Print. And I know some of you have this kind of code handwriting because you don't want anyone to know your name anyway. And so you're like, you'll write it down, you'll fill it out today, but you won't fill it out so anyone can ever read it. And so that's your way out. So make sure it's legible, okay? Write your name here, write down your information there. And then I'm going to ask you today, I'm going to ask for everyone in the room to do this. I'm going to ask you to pick an area of, the, of our church as you're reading through these list lists. You say, okay, I have a passion for this or I have skills for this. A passion for this or I have skills for this. And you would go through this list and I'm going to ask you to check one or two possibilities for service. One or two possibilities for service where you would say, okay, I don't think I belong on injured reserve. I think I'm part of our church and I've not been giving and I've not been contributing and now I want to. So you would just check one or two of these opportunities and then someone from our church will, you're going to put this in the offering basket at the end. Also, if you want more information, you go out to the lobby after church, and there's a you know, table out there that's all Legoed up. 
with Lego design. We actually have a walking Lego in the lobby today, Lego Man. And so if you have questions, you can go to Lego Man today and you can ask questions and help you to figure out where you might sign up here. Now, here's the deal. This is between you and God. It's not between you and me. It's not between you, you and Mark, or Pastor John. It's between you and God, okay? But here's the deal. When you do this, what you're saying is, I am going to accept responsibility for my church. And I'm going to use my ability and my gifting to make my church be the best church that God can make it that God can make it because I'm going to engage. So here's the deal. You're going to get phone calls now, and many times it's going to be a voice message or it's going to be another way to get contact. And that's another way that you can opt out of this on your own is you're going to say, okay, I'll I'll fill this all out, but I'll just never call anyone back. And uh, honestly, we do get that, real honest, you know. So I just want to encourage you today that by doing this, when you put this in the offering basket, when you get a call that you're saying, I will return the call, and I will check in, and I will make myself accountable to finding a place where I can be in ministry. And I just say this, there's no greater thrill than to serve in the area where God has wired you passion with passion or with ability. No greater thrill than doing that. Uh, Some of you, you haven't experienced that in a long time because you've not been serving. Or if you're serving, you're not doing it with a unified spirit or attitude. Or some of you have never served at all. And so you don't even know what I'm talking about today. But when you serve in the area of your giftedness, there's no greater thrill than that. Thursday, uh, we received uh, an email that one of our church members was about to die. Diane McConnell. And uh, it asked for prayer, and it said the family was requesting no visitors, all caps, no visitors. I assumed that didn't mean me. (laughs) Just assumed. I made that assumption. So I went over, and as I walked down the hallway to her room, uh, I spotted the family, and I knew by their faces that they really meant what they said, that the time was soon. And so I, I sat down by her husband, Milt, and he put his head on my shoulder, and we cried together. He wept on my shoulder. And he was talking about the reality of where he was. And I said, Milt, would it be okay if we went in and prayed for Diane? And so Milt and I got up and we went into her room alone. She was in a private room. And when I looked at her, I said, Milt, this is not the time to pray for healing. This is the time to pray for her transition into the kingdom of God, into the glory of heaven. And so we grabbed hold of each other and then grabbed hold of her and we sat there and prayed. And I just prayed over the beauty of what she was about to experience in heaven as she was about to go into glory and that she would be singing with the angels. And it was just an amazing moment for Milt and me. In moments, she quit breathing. And a couple of times I thought that she had actually gone, transitioned into heaven right then. But then she would catch her breath again. We walked out into the hallway, and they thanked me for coming. And uh, then I walked down to the elevator. And as I got into the elevator, I leaned against the wall of the elevator. And I just said, God, thank you so much that this is what you've called me to do. That you've made me to do this. 
oh God, thank you so much that you used me and my brokenness. Oh, it was one of those moments that you're like, oh God, thank you. And folks, what I'm talking about here, all of us can experience. I, it may be as crazy. You're going to think I'm whack now. You're, it may be, you may go out and mow the lawn. And you're like, oh, look at this. I am just made to mow lawns. This is so awesome. Did I get to do this? <laughs> you may be going down and helping with children after this service. And you're in the nursery area. And it's baby diaper changing time. And you're changing the diaper of a baby, and you're praying over this baby's future, and you're like, oh, this is what I was made to do, to be right here at this moment. You know, you may be working with our students, and uh, you may be helping a student, and all of a sudden you see a spiritual connection happen, the light bulb go off, and you're like, oh, this is what I was made to do. There are people who come, and they pray before the services in a circle out there so that they can be greeters and ushers for a service, and they are so thrilled that they get to bring and welcome people in. It's what they were made to do to serve him. I just want to invite you into that kind of life. When we serve in ministry, when we engage with him, then we get to experience life as we've never yet experienced it. Because we are now taking the gift that we were given, and we are not just holding on to it, but we are opening it up, and other people get to be blessed because of what we were given. 1 Corinthians 12 says that the spiritual gifts are the manifestation of Christ. The manifestation means that they are made, it makes it known. And so when you have given a spiritual gift, what that means is that as you use your gift, you're making Christ known. You're making him known so other people can connect and know him as well. Okay, so we, it, we walk in unity, we engage in ministry, and then number three, we grow in maturity. Grow in maturity. As you're writing that down, I just want to tell you that if you really you want to know more about spiritual gifts... We have a class called Journey 301, and that will be offered on February 22nd. You can sign up today on the back of your connection card if you'd like to learn more about spiritual gifts. Lastly, we grow in maturity. Now, what we want is, is we want to progress in our growth, and growth would mean being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. So that's, that's where we're headed. That's what he wants to do is, is change us in the image of Jesus Christ. Now, I was thinking about this. I thought, you know, folks, no one wants to have babies who grow up and never leave their home. You know what? No one of us wants that. When we have babies, you know, it may be hard when they leave home, but I, you know, having a conversation with my freshman daughter this week, and we were having one of those growing opportunities, okay? <laughs> and what I shared to her is I said, you don't like what's going on right now, but my responsibility is to train you to leave our home. And that's what I'm doing right now. So just know this is a training time. And so we do that. No, it's true. I remember going to the parent-teacher conference, and my kiddos were kindergartners. You know, and you go in when your kids are kindergartners, you think your kid's the smartest kid ever, and that they're going to tell, you know, walk in and say, oh my God, I can't believe your son does calculus as a kindergartner. <laughs> but you know what happens when you go into a kindergarten, uh, kindergarten parent-teacher conference? They'd say things like, your child is age-appropriate. <laughs> they can hold a pencil. <laughs> they can write age-appropriate. Well, here's the deal. Flash up to high school. Imagine going to your parent-teacher conference in high school and the 
counselor comes to the room and says, your child is age appropriate for a kindergartner. Okay, that would not be what you would want as your goal. You'd know that you have failed. No one wants a 16-year-old who acts like they're five, right? And just like that's true as us as people, it's true in the spiritual realm as well. It's just true in that spiritual realm. And some of you, you're at the same place of spiritual maturity as you were the day you started to walk with Jesus. You just keep living the same day over and over again. And Paul is saying, no, I want you to engage in growth that leads to transformation and leads to change. And I'll say now, back to the second point, serving is one of the number one ways you grow. You're stretched, you're expanded, you get to see God move, you take risks, you step out, you get to work with other people. Now you get to work in a relationship, you get to deal with conflict, you get to celebrate, you get to encourage, you get to trust God's word, you get to live in a way that would honor. So serving is one of the best ways that I know of for spiritual growth and development and what I want to just talk about just for a moment. I want us to become a body where every person is engaged in their ministry. That's a dream. A body where every person's engaged in their ministry that each one of us will get outside our comfort zones, outside of our fear zones, our risk adverse zones, and that we would be willing to step out and say, okay, here I, I don't know where I'm going to land. And you know what? It's a wonderful place to be. Because then you've, you've learned that God is always where you land. He's always there waiting. And he's going to carry you. He's going to build into you. He's going to speak to you. He's going to grow you. And that's what Paul says. Let's get to what Paul said. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be mature, immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. So in other words, as we engage in ministry, as we engage and use our grace gifts, when we own our part of being the body, what happens is we mature, but here's what Paul's saying, the whole body matures. We're, all of us are maturing together as we're engaging and serving one another. You help others mature when you engage in your calling. Isn't that great? We're called to be codependent. We really are. You know, one of the, in the 90s, one of the best-selling books in the uh, 90s was Codependent No More. Well, the church, our calling, codependent some more. They were called to be codependent. And God designed the body to need all the parts of the body in order to function. And so we can become mature. And then he goes on and says this. Instead, this is maturity. We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each does its part... As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And full of love. So I was reflecting as we're coming up to our anniversary on March 1st, and I was reflecting on doing 23 years of ministry here in Nevada County. I was reflecting, too, on my run, however long that gets to be, hopefully 12 to 15 more years here. Um, I just want you to know that I am committed 
And I would say more than ever, I'm not sure if it's more than ever, but I have a fresh commitment. I'll just... about the fact that God takes us as broken people and broken individuals and what he wants to do is that we engage in our calling with him. He wants to make us into beautiful things. This verse, Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Let's listen to this song, Beautiful Things.
pray together. God, thank you so much for the truth in those words. I just thank you, Father, that you're so personal. And Lord, this room is full of broken people. Every one of us. And that you want to take us and you accept us right there. And yet you love us too much to let us stay broken. And so you sent Jesus that he would live and he would die. That we could be restored, forgiven, made new and made fresh. If you've never said yes to Jesus, just ask him now. Say, Jesus, that's what I want. Will you forgive me and cleanse me? Will you make me new? Now, Father, I just thank you that in that process of still being broken and still being in process, even as a new creation, that you want us to be formed in the image of your son. And Father, I know that you've given us that calling that we would engage ourselves, that we would, as the Bible says, make every effort, engage in the calling you've given us. So, Father, I pray now that as we have been inspired by your word today, by this moment that we would engage in unity, that we would fight for unity in our church. We would engage in ministry, that we would realize that how important every one of us is to this church being healthy. And that we would engage in maturity and we would watch as you grow us as you transform us into the image of your son. And God, I just thank you so much for this moment. Just rest in it. In your love for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.